0: The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World.
1: Gambling is big business. Every year millions of visitors travel to Las Vegas or Monaco to test their luck. Casinos have sprung up all over the United States and Canada, and betting has been a part of British culture for as long as I can remember. Television ads show happy faces and lavish lifestyles for supposed winners of government-sponsored lotteries, as millions of dollars, pounds, loonies, and euros, and other currencies pour in. Internet gaming houses allow sports fans to bet on their favorite teams, and racetracks offer opportunities for sports enthusiasts to bet on their chosen four-legged animals. Poker games are popular on television, where players become celebrities, thus enticing others to think they too can find fame and fortune by their wits and a little bit of luck. There seem to be no end to the ways that people willingly gamble away their wages or retirement savings. Have you ever considered why casinos have bright lights and few windows? There is an air of excitement inside, and you never know whether it's day or night. The longer they keep you in the game, the more they'll take from you. Games are designed to throw a few shekels your way, but that's to keep your hopes alive. Some rare individuals do seem to strike it rich, but again, all of this is part of the illusion to keep people coming back. Maybe it'll be my time next time. Oddly, every one of us is gambling in another way and is betting on more than your wallet or your house. If you'd like to know what that bet is, Stay tuned because it's the biggest bet you'll ever make. Welcome to Tomorrow's World. What is it about our nature that drives us to do something that is clearly irrational? Why is it that we gamble with our hard earned wages when deep down inside we know that the odds are not in our favor? Make no mistake, casinos, betting houses, and lotteries are in the business for only one purpose to separate a fool from his money. But not all gambling involves money. When you marry, you're gambling that this person will be faithful to you as your lifelong partner. When you get into a car or ride a bike, there's an element of risk. When you board an airplane, there's a slight chance, a very slight chance that something can go drastically wrong. But that's very different from playing a game that is stacked against you. Not many people would fly in a plane if there were a 96% chance that it would crash. We take chances all the time, but with the expectation that things will work out, and they most often do. There truly are rewards for making these decisions. On today's program, I'm addressing the greatest gamble that you'll ever make, and it's a gamble you're taking right now, and the consequences will be disastrous beyond your imagination if you are betting wrong. Whether you realize it or not, You're betting by your actions on your future. Is there a God and can He give you life after death? Today it's fashionable to reject God, but since you really can't prove that He doesn't exist, isn't it a high stakes gamble to reject Him without considering the evidence? Is it a smart bet? Right now you're betting one way or the other, so I ask you, are you choosing wisely or foolishly? Consider for a moment. We're all going to die. That's you and that's me. But is that the end of all things? Is all that we have to look forward to the blackness of darkness forever? It's simply not good enough to believe or not believe something so important based on emotion, upbringing, What your biology professor tells you, or simple wishful thinking. Emotion doesn't change the truth. Neither can we rely on the way we were raised because one person is raised an atheist, another a believer. Surely they can't both be right, yet each believes he is. And wishful thinking is self deception. Wishing something to be so never makes it so. You may believe God exists or wish that God exists, but neither believing nor wishing change the fact. Sadly, too few people are willing to put forth the effort to explore and answer this most important of all questions for themselves. How easy it is to be too lazy or too busy to find the answer! Most people, when they see the end approaching, want to know, is this really the end of it all? Maybe there is more to it. Lee Iacocca was one of the great industrialists of the 20th century, and he muses this way in his book, Talking Straight. I've always marveled at how belief in the hereafter gets accentuated as people grow older. Until their deathbeds, many of the great minds in science thought that because their soul and being were wrapped up in their body, the old 98 cents worth of chemicals, before inflation that is, and that because after death there would no longer be a body, that was it. But now when they have to go, suddenly they want to believe in somebody up there because they don't know where they're going and they're scared. Sort of scared to death, you might say. It's a little late by then. Yes, people will gamble all their productive years that God doesn't exist, or that even if He does, How they live and the choices they make really aren't that important. However, as the end draws near, there's a change of attitude. Iacocca relates a humorous anecdote about one of the early film actors, the late W.C. Fields. He was a lifetime agnostic, neither believing in God nor totally rejecting his existence. As the story goes, he was discovered on his deathbed reading the Bible when someone asked, What are you reading that for? His reply, I'm looking for a loophole. If the story were true, W.C. Fields would not be alone in looking for a last minute loophole, just in case. Some hedge their bets sooner, while others wait until they're near death. But if God exists, do you really think that He'll be pleased with that approach? Maybe Iacocca is correct when he wrote, It's a little late by then. Here on Tomorrow's World, we often remind you not to believe us because we say it. Believe it because you can prove it for yourself. Have you ever considered that life after death is only possible if God exists? But how do you know that there is a real being we call God? The real God, proofs and promises, answers this question. Are you gambling as to whether He does or doesn't exist? Is it worth the gamble? The Real God Proofs and Promises gives you tangible answers to life's biggest questions. It's free for the asking. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call, or go to our website. And when I come back, we'll explore whether there is hope beyond the grave.
0: Today's offer is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation. Call now. 1-800-236-0531 or write to us at the address on your screen or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. And be sure to go to tomorrowsworld.org digital Have a digital subscription sent right to your email inbox, faster than postal mail. Visit us online now. Before
1: the break I said we'll explore whether you can live beyond the grave. So where do we turn for the answer to this all-important question? Should we go to the bookstore and purchase books describing tunnels and bright lights? What about the ideas of various religions? And surely science can come to our rescue, or can it? Life after death implies two important conclusions. First, there must be an all powerful force, intelligence, or being that can cause a physical existence to transcend to a different form of existence. And secondly, Such a supreme cause introduces the subject of purpose, which by its very nature lies outside of scientific discovery. Science can have no answers since by its own admission it deals only with the material. As the United States National Academy of Sciences has clearly stated, whether there is a purpose to the universe or a purpose for human existence are not questions for science. Yet some scientists hypocritically cross the line from science to religion all the time. For example, Cornell University biologist and science historian William Provine proclaims, Modern science directly implies that there are no inherent moral or ethical laws, no absolute guiding principles for human society. We must conclude that when we die, we die, and that is the end of us. Or, as the outspoken evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins wrote in River Out of Eden, the universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Then there's evolutionist Stephen Jay Gould. Is he not crossing the line between science and religion when he rejects God without any proof whatsoever? It's a tough life, and if you can delude yourself into thinking that there's all some warm and fuzzy meaning to it all, it's enormously comforting. But I do think it's just a story we tell ourselves. Is Gould correct? Is religion only a self-deluding comfort blanket Is it all a giant lie to help us get through the week? Or is there substance to it? Does it have real answers to real questions, such as the question of life after death? How you answer these questions and how you respond to the answers tells where you're placing your bet. Gould, Dawkins, and Provine are gambling against God and against eternal life. What about you? Have you checked out all the evidence? or are you merely accepting without question your background beliefs or floating down the stream of popular opinion? It may surprise you to know that religion hasn't helped us with these questions. In many ways Gould is correct when he describes religion as a self-deluding comfort blanket. Sadly, most of what we refer to as religion is nothing more than humanly created lies. I'll explain what I mean in the next portion of this program, but I want to remind you of today's offer The Real God Proofs and Promises. You need not gamble on this most important of all questions. So pick up the phone, go to our website, or write to us for your free copy of The Real God Proofs and Promises. You'll be ever thankful that you did. We won't sell your name so you have nothing to lose. I'll be back in 30 seconds to explain why Gould is correct when he describes religion as a self-deluding comfort blanket.
0: Today's offer is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation. Visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter.
1: A few minutes ago, I read to you a quote from evolutionist Stephen Jay Gould, where he described religion as a self-deluding comfort blanket, a mere story we tell ourselves. Further, I said that he is correct, but now I'll add, not entirely correct. I'll go so far as to say that most religion is a giant fraud. Consider all the various belief systems that exist around the world. Can they all be correct? Another delusion that people have is thinking, all roads lead to heaven. Have you ever tried to get to Detroit with that kind of thinking? How can all roads lead to the same destination when the destination being pursued is not even the same? The Bible is the most remarkable of all religious writings. All you have to do is to compare it with all the other so-called holy books and in its pages it tells us there is life after death. We can live forever, no longer suffering pain or sorrow. I think we all want that, but is it for real? Can we really have life after death? And if so, what must we do to attain eternal life? Because while most people want it, the majority are betting by the way they conduct their lives that it isn't for real. They're betting the only thing that is important is the here and now. Planning for an uncertain future is not that important. The Bible claims to offer the one and only way to eternal life, but it reveals that if you choose poorly, only blackness and darkness await you. It'll be as though you never existed. As it tells us in Ecclesiastes, For the living know that they will die, But the dead know nothing. And in verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Now that contradicts popular belief. Haven't you been told that you have an immortal soul and that after death that soul lives on in heaven or hell? Or perhaps another humanly devised doctrine, something called purgatory. But is this really what the Bible teaches? Consider Romans, the sixth chapter, and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that should cause one to think. Eternal life is here described not as something we already have, but a gift. And the reward for living a life contrary to God is not burning forever in a lake of fire, but death. Consider further the golden verse of the Bible, John 3:16. There is always that fellow in the stands at sporting events displaying it on a placard. But what's its message? It seems that no one understands. Let's notice it, but also the verses leading up to it. We'll begin with verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here again we see a contrast between eternal life and eternal death. Considering the stark contrast between the two, wouldn't it be worth a modest amount of your time to research whether life after death is possible? And if so, is there something required of you to gain it? With so much at stake, why would anyone gamble away the better choice through laziness and neglect? But how can you know what the Bible tells us is true? The question behind this is whether God exists. And without God, there is no hope for eternal life. I want to remind you one more time of today's offer. The Real God Proofs and Promises. It can be yours free of charge just for the asking. Don't be lazy and gamble away your life. If God exists, eternal life is possible. So go to the phone, write, or go online to receive your free copy of The Real God Proofs and Promises and I'll be right back to show you why there is hope for eternal life.
0: Today's offer is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation. Call now, 1-800-236-0531 or write to us at the address on your screen or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org
1: Recent research shows that people enjoy the ceremonies of religion, but not the doctrines. In other words, let's sing, sway our arms, dust some incense about, but keep the sermon short and go away feeling good. But is this reality? Is this what the Creator of the universe, if He exists, expects of us? The speed with which strong faith in God is being abandoned in the Western world is remarkable, and it's picking up speed. However, the desire and fascination with the afterlife persists. Whole books are written about after-death experiences, and ghost hunting reality shows promote the idea of the spirit world. But how can this be? Consider this carefully. If we are the product of blind evolutionary processes, how does a spirit world evolve? These key findings appeared in a 2015 Angus Reid poll of Canadians regarding religion and faith. Just over one quarter, or 26 percent, of Canadians say they are inclined to reject religion. Their numbers have been growing in recent decades. Nearly one-third, or 30 percent, report that they are inclined to embrace religion. Their numbers have been shrinking. Shrinking. This survey sparked a number of news reports on the role of religion in Canada. One lengthy report on the CBC's Evening News focused on the growing trend away from doctrinal absolutes and organized religion. One segment described an in home funeral service, beginning with the lighting of a candle. The expectation was that there would be a religious basis to what followed, but as the one conducting the service spoke, It became evident that this service was for atheists. He boldly declared that the entirety of one's life could be summed up in the time between conception and death. There was nothing before and nothing afterward. After the service, one of the organizers and a relative of the deceased said she knew her dead relative was looking down on her at that moment. What a disconnect. But that's a common disconnect. People want to believe there is no God, but they can't accept that death is the end of everything. How is this possible? Another key finding in the Angus Reid survey is that the remaining 44% acknowledge that they are somewhere in between the two positions. They still hold many conventional beliefs and sometimes engage in religious practices including occasional religious service attendance, They do not see themselves as particularly devout, but they also have not abandoned religion. A summary statement in the report describes how the ranks of the faithful are shrinking, leaving the largest category 44% in the middle, neither totally embracing faith nor entirely rejecting it. One might say that these people are undecided or lazy about firming up their beliefs. Perhaps they have a just-in-case religion where they are hedging their bets in case God does exist. The report says that the largest group puts itself in the mushy middle on religion. Ranks of those embracing faith are shrinking. One of the major personages in the Bible is the man named Paul. As students of the Bible know, his original name was Saul, And he sorely persecuted early Christians. That is, until he was supernaturally struck down while on a journey to Damascus to ferret out Christ's followers and take them to Jerusalem to be imprisoned. On his way, he experienced what you might call a near death experience. He met the resurrected Christ, and it got his attention. Following this encounter, He began to understand the many prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and he became convinced, against his own will, that Jesus was the Messiah. He was so convicted that Jesus did rise from the dead that he became a zealous follower and was willing to die to tell others what he learned. The persecutor now became the persecuted, and he suffered many things as a result. In defending himself against those who questioned his credentials as a minister of Christ, he wrote in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning verse 24 From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, and journeys often, and perils of water and perils of robbers, and perils of my own countrymen, and perils of the Gentiles, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and toil, and sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Yet Paul was a realist. He recognized that all that he endured as a result of preaching that Jesus is the Christ was for nothing unless there is a resurrection from the dead. Known as 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32. If, in the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul was not alone in changing his mind. We are told that Jesus' own brothers did not believe in Him. That is until after He was resurrected from the dead. Two of them went on to tell the world their brother was resurrected from the dead. His own disciples fled from Him when He was arrested, but history and the Bible indicate that all but John suffered a martyr's death. Think about that. Men will die for a cause in which they believe, but would they die for what they know to be a lie? They saw the resurrected Christ. They talked with Him. They even ate with Him. They were so convinced of the resurrection that they boldly put their lives on the line. The Apostle Paul records this in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep or died. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me. There are far more proofs than I have time in this program to give you, but we're offering our publication, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. It will be sent to you free of charge, so go to the phone and call toll-free or go to our website to receive this offer. It's that simple. Don't gamble away the most important treasure available to you, your eternal life. Be sure to come back next week when Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, and I, along with guest presenter Rod McNair, will continue to share with you the inspiring teachings of Jesus Christ, the encouraging good news of the coming Kingdom of God, and the exciting end-time prophecies and their meaning.
0: To take advantage of today's free offer or view today's program now or anytime, go to tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.